European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance. Volume 43, Issue 46. Focus Issue, Epidemiology, Prevention and Healthcare Policies. By Editor-in-Chief Professor Philippe Paul Read to you by Morgan Bryan. Physical Exercise, Inflammation and Hypertension. How to Improve Cardiovascular Prevention. This focus issue on epidemiology, prevention and healthcare policies contains the special article Sex Differences in Arterial Hypertension, a scientific statement from the ESC Council on Hypertension, the European Association of Preventative Cardiology, Association of Cardiovascular Nursing and Allied Professions, the ESC Council for Cardiology Practice, and the ESC Working Group on Cardiovascular Pharmacotherapy by Eva Gertz and colleagues from the University of Bergen in Norway. It's well recognised that hypertension is a potent risk factor for both men and women. The authors note, however, that there is strong evidence that sex chromosomes and sex hormones influence blood pressure or BP regulation, distribution of cardiovascular or CV risk factors, and comorbidities differently in females and males with essential arterial hypertension. The risk for CV disease, or CVD, increases at a lower BP level in females than in males, suggesting that sex-specific thresholds for diagnosis of hypertension may be reasonable. However, due to the paucity of data, particularly from specifically designed clinical trials, it's not yet known whether hypertension should be managed differently in females and males, including treatment goals and choices and dosages of antihypertensive drugs. Accordingly, this consensus document was conceived to provide a comprehensive overview of current knowledge on sex differences in essential hypertension including BP development over the life course, development of hypertension, pathophysiological mechanisms regulating BP, interaction of BP with CV risk factors and comorbidities, hypertension-mediated organ damage in the heart and the arteries, impact on incident CVD, and differences in the effects of antihypertensive treatment. The consensus document also highlights areas where focused research is needed to advance sex-specific prevention and management of hypertension. The interplay between the volume and intensity of physical activity is poorly understood in relation to CVD risk. In a clinical research article entitled Physical Activity Volume, Intensity and incident cardiovascular disease. Paddy Dempsey and colleagues from the University of Leicester in the United Kingdom aim to investigate the role of physical activity intensity over and above volume in relation to incident CVD. Data were taken from 88,412 UK biobank middle-aged adults, 58% women, without prevalent CVD, who wore accelerometers on their dominant risk for seven days from which the authors estimated total physical activity energy expenditure, or PAEE, using population-specific validation. Cox proportional hazards regressions modelled associations between PAEE, kilojoules per kilogram per day, and physical activity intensity, percentage MVPA, the fraction of PAEE accumulated from moderate to vigorous intensity physical activity, with incidence CVD, ischemic heart disease or cerebrovascular disease adjusted for potential confounders. There were 4,068 CVD events 
during 584,568 person years of follow-up, median 6.8 years. Higher PAEE and higher percentage MVPA, adjusted for PAEE, were associated with lower rates of incident CVD. In interaction analyses, CVD rates were 14% lower when percentage MVPA accounted for 20% rather than 10% of 15 kilojoules per kilogram per day PAEE, equivalent to converting a 14-minute stroll into a brisk 7-minute walk. CVD rates did not differ significantly between values of PAEE when the percentage MVPA was fixed at 10%. However, the lowest CVD rates were observed for combinations of both higher PAEE and percentage MVPA. The authors conclude that reductions in CVD risk may be achievable through higher physical activity volume and intensity, with the role of moderately intense physical activity appearing particularly important. This supports multiple approaches to or strategies for physical activity participation, some of which may be more practical or appealing to different individuals. Physical exercise is associated with a reduced CV risk. Vigorous physical activity, or VPA, is a time-efficient way to achieve recommended physical activity levels. In a clinical research article entitled Vigorous Physical Activity, Incident Heart Disease and Cancer, How Little is Enough? Matthew Armadi and colleagues from the University of Sydney, New South Wales in Australia note that there is very limited understanding of the minimal and optimal amounts of VPA in relation to mortality and disease incidence. In a prospective study of 71,893 adults, median age 62.5 years, 56% female, from the UK Biobank cohort with wrist-worn accelerometry, VPA volume, minutes per week, and frequency of short VPA bouts, less than or equal to two minutes, were measured. During a mean post-landmark point follow-up of 5.9 years, the adjusted five-year absolute mortality risk was 4.17% for no VPA, 2.12% for greater than 0 to less than 10 minutes, 1.78% for 10 to less than 30 minutes, 1.47% for 30 to less than 60 minutes, and 1.10% for greater than or equal to 60 minutes. The optimal dose, nadir of curve, was 53.6 minutes per week, hazard ratio, or HR, 0.64 relative to the 5th percentile reference, 2.2 minutes per week. There was an inverse linear dose-response association of VPA with CVD mortality. The minimal volume dose was approximately 15 minutes per week for all-cause, HR 0.82, and cancer, HR 0.84, mortality, and 19.2 minutes per week, HR 0.60, for CVD mortality. These associations were consistent for CVD and cancer incidence. Amadi et al. conclude that VPA of 15 to 20 minutes per week was associated with a 16 to 40% lower mortality, with further decreases up to 50 to 57 minutes per week. These findings suggest reduced health risks may be attainable through relatively modest amounts of VPA accrued in short bouts across the week. 
The two contributions by Dempsey and Amadi are accompanied by a double editorial by Charles Matthew and Pedro San Maurice from the University State National Cancer Institute in Bethesda, Maryland, USA. The authors note that current physical activity recommendations are predicted on the idea that both the hare and the tortoise can win the race for better health. But the provocative studies detailed above give an edge to the hare's higher-intensity approach. Future studies are needed to examine the consistency of these findings in other study populations and or using a range of analytical methods and employing rigorously developed and validated accelerometer-based prediction algorithms. These will be the critical next steps to build upon the current findings and hopefully avoid unexpected findings in our race to find a variety of strategies to increase physical activity and prevent CVD and cancer. Survival after cardiac arrest remains a challenging therapeutic goal. In a clinical research article entitled Trends in Survival After Cardiac Arrest, a Swedish nationwide study over 30 years, Matilde Jakerman and colleagues from the University of Gothenburg in Sweden note that the trends in characteristics, management and survival of out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, or OHCA, and in-hospital cardiac arrest, or IHCA, were studied in the Swedish Cardiopulmonary Resuscitation Registry, or SCRR. The SCRR was used to study 106,296 cases of OHCA, 1990-2020, and 30,032 cases of IHCA, 2004-2020, in whom resuscitation was attempted. In OHCA, survival significantly increased from 5.7% in 1990 to 10.1% in 2011 and remained unchanged thereafter. Survival increased for all etiologies except trauma, suffocation and drowning. Bystander cardiopulmonary resuscitation increased from 31% to 82%. Shockable rhythm decreased from 39% in 1990 to 17% in 2020. In IHCA, the odds ratio, or OR, for survival in 2017 to 2020 versus 2004 to 2007 was 1.18, significant but not large, showing, however, a non-linear trend with probability of survival increasing by 47% during 2011 to 2020. Myocardial ischemia or infarction, as etiology significantly decreased during 2004 to 2020, from 67% to 28%. Shockable rhythm significantly decreased from 37% to 23%. Approximately 90% of survivors, IHCA and OHCA, had no or mild neurological sequelae. Yekaman et al. conclude that survival increased 2.2-fold in OHCA during 1990 to 2020, but without any improvement in the final decade, and 1.2-fold in IHCA during 2004 to 2020, with rapid improvement in the last decade. This manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Elizabeth Peratz and André Lagesh from the Baker Heart and Diabetes Institute in Melbourne, Australia. The authors highlight that the strength of the data of Yekman et al. 
is that the relatively large population and consistent definitions enable an excellent snapshot of the trends in cardiac arrest science. They propose a range of ambitious initiatives to drive future improvement in arrest survival. Wearable technology arrest alerts, mobile phone-initiated recruitment of bystanders, drone-mediated delivery of defibrillators, in-the-field extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, and geolocation assistance to reduce ambulance times. They conclude that the Swedish Collaborative Registry deserves praise. High-quality clinical registries, such as the SCRR, enable us to monitor the incremental real-time benefit of each innovation. Informed and systematic implementation of many steps should enable us to favorably disrupt the current plateau in cardiac arrest survival. Hyperlipidemia and inflammation jointly contribute to atherosclerotic disease. Yet after the initiation of statin therapy, the relative contributions of these processes may differ in patient groups, such as those with and without impaired kidney function. Paul Ridker and colleagues from the Brigham and Women's Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, investigate this in a clinical research article entitled Inflammation Drives Residual Risk in Chronic Kidney Disease, a Cantos Substudy. Among 9,151 stable statin-treated post-myocardial infarction patients participating in the CANTOS trial, the contributions of residual cholesterol risk and residual inflammatory risk were evaluated as determinants of recurrent major adverse cardiovascular events, or MACE, and total mortality, stratified by baseline estimated glomerular filtration rate, or EGFR, above or below 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared using the race agnostic CKD-EP1-2021 formula. All participants had EGFR greater than 30 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared. Analyses of residual inflammatory risk focused on high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, or HSCRP, and interleukin-6, or IL-6, while analyses of residual cholesterol risk focused on LDL cholesterol, or LDLC, and non-HDL cholesterol, or non-HDLC. Participants were followed for a period of up to five years, median 3.7 years. Among participants with EGFR greater than or equal to 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared, Increasing quartiles of plasma HSCRP, IL-6, LDLC, and non-HDLC were all positively associated with risks of recurrent MACE. HR comparing the top with the bottom quartiles for HSCRP 1.45, for IL-6 2.48, for LDLC 1.64, and for non-HDLC 1.68, all P being less than 0.0001. In contrast, among those with EGFR less than 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared, increasing quartiles of HSCRP and IL-6 significantly predicted recurrent MACE. HR comparing the top with the bottom quartile for HSCRP 1.50 p equaling 0.021 for IL-6 1.84 p equaling 0.048 whereas increasing quartiles of LDLC and non-HDLC did not. 
The predictive utility of HSCRP and IL-6 in the setting of EGFR less than 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared remains significant after adjusting for a wide range of potential confounding factors, including age, sex, smoking status, BP, body mass index, and diabetes. For the endpoint of total mortality, both HSCRP, HR 1.77, P equaling 0.0021, and IL-6, HR 2.15, P equaling 0.015, were significant predictors among those with EGFR less than 60 milliliters per minute per 1.73 meters squared, whereas LDLC and non-HDLC were not. Similar effects were observed in analyses stratified by the albumin to creatinine ratio rather than EGFR. The authors conclude that among atherosclerosis patients with impaired kidney function already aggressively treated with statin therapy, residual inflammatory risk plays a substantial role in determining the risk of recurrent CV events. These data have implications for risk stratification of individuals with chronic kidney disease and for the development of novel agents that target inflammatory processes in this high-risk group of patients. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Stefan Nidorf from the Harry Perkins Institute of Medical Research in Perth, Western Australia, Australia. Nidorf notes that there is an urgent need to develop agents that effectively target crystal-induced inflammation to reduce the inflammatory risk in patients intolerant to colchicine and are safe in CKD. The Zeus trial, NCT 05021835, designed to meet this challenge, will examine the effects of blocking IL-6 or ziltivekimab in patients with CKD and an HSCRP greater than or equal to 2. To date, preliminary data looks promising. Ziltivekimab appears safe in advanced CKD, lowers HSCRP more than canikinumab, lowers IL-6 more than methotrexate, and unlike canikinumab and other monoclonal antibodies that target IL-6, does not appear to increase the risk of infection, nor does it increase LDL levels. In large part, Zeus is a continuum of the impressive and relentless efforts of the Cantos investigators to focus attention on the role of inflammation in atherosclerosis, in the pursuit of safe and effective therapies to reduce inflammatory risk in patients with coronary disease. Should Zeus reign over the spectra of inflammation and improve clinical outcomes in CKD, it will be a major advance in the treatment of atherosclerosis. The issue is complemented by two discussion forum contributions. In a contribution entitled, Adding Salt at the Table, a Marker of an Unhealthy Diet, Franz Mazzelli and colleagues from the University Hospital of Bern in Switzerland comment on the recent publication, Adding Salt to Foods and Hazard of Premature Mortality by Lou Key from the Tulane University in New Orleans, Louisiana, USA. He et al. respond in a separate comment. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will be of interest to its listeners.